Turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3 as we continue to look at some difficult questions. Difficult questions for Christians to have to answer. Uh, literally, that is the title of this set of lessons. Questions for Christians during perilous times. And it will likely take us two, maybe three lessons to get through. And um, as, as you know, we'll be traveling next week, so we'll definitely not be doing it next Sunday. Uh, but Lord willing, if, if permitted, we'll wrap it up the week following. Let us first consider 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. And I remind you, the last time I taught, we looked at 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. We talked about what was profitable and what it was profitable for. And that's very important because of what Paul is addressing here. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. We looked last time at the our urgent need for personal study. And our text said there in chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, all scripture, this is what is profitable, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, profitable for reproof, profitable for correction, profitable for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. And the very first question that, uh, that we had to challenge one another with last time out was, do we actually desire to be truly furnished unto all good works? Do we have a desire unto any good works? Now, we don't believe in a works-based salvation. We also don't believe that works will keep our salvation, but faith without works is dead, James says. So works are required, and it's dangerous, and we see it a lot, that Christians, as we get to an age, or really most of the time, as younger Christians get to an age, we find a door for retirement. That's not so, beloved. We do not retire from Christianity. We do not retire from works. We do not retire from the responsibility of tithing and serving and being with God's people. Oh, but I've done it for so long, and you're still alive. Keep going. You have run a great race. Who doth hinder you? These are challenging things, but I don't believe we read here about the last days of perilous times and think, oh, those will be easy. How exactly do these perilous times come about is what we're going to actually see here this morning. Make careful note, beloved, that this same chapter begins with our text today. It closes with what's profitable. It closes with what, with what it is profitable for. But it begins with, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Let's read the rest of it. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. We see the one command after a great many verses, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, these were uh, so-called sorcerers or wizards that, uh, that duplicated or, or replicated those miracles that Moses was doing before the Pharaoh. So do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further. For their folly shall be manifested unto all men, as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine. And again, Paul makes it a little more personal. We've run through this list of all these things that, uh, and sometimes I wonder if we read it and think, only men in the last days will be like this. Uh, no, it was gradual, but our imaginations are only evil continually. And we've had these traits with us for quite a while. Some will read this and think, yes, those homosexuals in 2022, they represent all of this. Well, homosexuality is a sin. So is lying. So is adultery. So is murder. Do we have lust in our hearts? You can't blame gay people for the sins of the world. They're sinners such as we. They need salvation. They need the gospel truth. It's one of Satan's greatest tricks is to have us so appalled at homosexuality that we don't give them the gospel. But we're called to. What if one of your children felt that they were gay? What if one of your children murdered somebody? What if one of your children goes to jail this very day for stealing? Do they not need the gospel? Do they not need salvation? Would you not desire that some man put himself out there and love your child enough to give them the truth of God's word? Give it to them now. Give it to them today. What Paul is writing here to Timothy about is that these days are coming. We're going to see a little bit of chapter 2 in a minute, and I'm not going to argue whether these days are here or not. I, I have my opinion, and I think you all know what that is. But in chapter 2, is a great contrast to what we're reading right here. Chapter 2, Timothy is being, uh, being written to about how things currently are. And here, how things are going to end up. He says, know this, that in the last days perilous time shall come. Perilous, not fun. Perilous, very dangerous, dastardly, evil times. Not just tough times. Evil times times but they shall proceed no further for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was comparing it here to janus and john Brace. but thou hast fully known my doctrine again paul writing personally here to timothy you know me you know my doctrine you know my manner of life my purpose my faith my long suffering my charity my patience the persecutions and afflictions which came unto me at antioch at iconium at lystra what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. This is an interesting part of the chapter, is it not? Because we look at society now and we say, I, probably most of us in the room, I could never give the gospel to a liberal, to a socialist, to Nancy Pelosi. How many of us read about what happened to her husband and thought he deserved it? God help us. I could never give the gospel to one of them. Well, you're called to. Think of all of these situations. And Paul was giving the gospel to Athenians, to Festus, to Felix, to all that he had even a moment with. He was given the gospel. Think of the Euryclidon. This ship's coming apart. It's because, come sup with me. Come sit with me. Come listen and witness the faith of God. 
he says. Things are coming apart at the seams, but not Paul. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. In case you thought you didn't deserve it. In case you thought you wouldn't experience it. In case you thought that by not serving, you won't go through it. If you're a Christian, you shall. These are Paul's words. They were permitted in the living word of God. Living, breathing word of God. Inspired by God to be written and recorded here. You shall experience persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the thing which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, which is what we see in chapter 2, which we'll go back to in a moment, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And here's verse 16 and 17 again. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, this same man of God that shall suffer persecution, may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You see, Paul was writing concerning a very specific topic, the perilous times that lied ahead. The perilous times, as he refers to here, of the last days. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time concerning when the last days are, when the last days will be. That's a message for another time. It's my belief that we are in not only the last days right now, but that the Lord Jesus will be coming soon. Praise God. And I say this because I feel, I believe, we are in perilous times. I say this because what we see in chapter 3 sure seems to fit. But what Paul says here in chapter 3 is that we are to remain steadfast, unmovable, that we will find profit in the word of God. And we are to continue marching on, Christian soldiers. The days Paul writes of are considered perilous, which based on our context uh, would be a contradiction to those that were living in Paul's days, which again we'll see in chapter 2. The men and the silly women that he refers of here, this silly women is a Greek word, is the diminutive of the word wife, or woman, ladies are probably going to take offense to that, that silly woman or silly women would be a, a way to translate that, but it is the same word later used as wife or woman. And the concept is that of a pseudo-woman, a woman who minimizes her feminine nature, seeking to be something that she was not created to by God to be. Its only use in the Bible is here in reference to the perilous times of the last days. Described here also... Uh, are also a contradiction to those strong in Jesus who would follow Paul's instruction in the previous chapter. Let's go over to chapter 2. And remember, this is a contradiction. Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Thou, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. 
Verse 6, the husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things. I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of hearers. And here we start to see what the warning is. The perilous times of the last days lie ahead. For us, just a few verses, they lie ahead. And he's warning here. The very next verse is going to say, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So whose fault is it? Is it the homosexual? Is it the murderer? Is it the liar? No, all were born sinners. All were born totally depraved. But those who were saved, they have been made profitable unto good works. Are they doing them? This is the challenging question for us Christians in perilous times. Are we doing good works? This question isn't, are you supporting a pastor who's doing good works? Are you in favor of a Sunday school teacher doing good works? The question is, are you, born-again believer, doing good works? If not, chapter 3 is coming. Chapter 3, riddled with perilous times warnings, riddled with words that we're going to spend the next three or four Sundays defining. They're coming. That's the fruit of our lack of labor. Okay, Our, our earnest, our wages for sin is death. And those who have been redeemed for death, you're called to work. And our earnest or reward for not working is perilous times. And oh, I know that they've been prophesied, and I know they're coming. But you don't get to blame the sinner for sin and any more than we get to blame Adam. We know better. We've been called to do better. Do we do it? Do we read this paper? If you're in this room right now, this paper is, is being charged to everyone else that reads it. But to you, it's free. Month after month after month. Are you taking advantage of the free books that we put in the front pew from time to time? Are you reading the 66 books that are in the Word of God? Every day are you reading of this Bible? I don't have time is not an excuse that the judge will listen to. I was too busy is not an excuse that he's going to listen to. Well, I had all these children. Blessings of the Lord. They will not serve as an excuse when you stand before the judge. If you don't give time to the word of God, if you don't come to the services, if you show up late, it's because you didn't plan ahead. It's because you didn't plan beforehand to be here. It's because you didn't plan beforehand to be prepared. It's because you read chapter 3 and gave up, and you never read chapter 2, which said, prepare, wake up, get ready. Perilous times are coming. Let me read this again. Of these things... Put them in remembrance. This is Paul telling Timothy, you need to remember these things. Remember what I've been through. Remember the testimony I write unto you about. And also charge them. Charge those that you minister to. Charge those that seek this good work. 
that they before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. A workman that needeth not be ashamed doesn't clock out at 4.53. One of my first jobs was Kroger's, and we figured out real early that on the time clock, if you punched out at 4.53, that's 5 o'clock. There's 7 minutes one way, 7 minutes the other way. I never clocked out at 5.07. But pretty often, 453. That's a workman that needs to be ashamed. That means I'd been preparing since the start of my shift to leave. Is that what your employer wants? Anyone here that has employees under them, is that what you desire from people who work for you? Derek, is that what you want your guys to do? Of course not. A workman that isn't to be ashamed is a workman that's constantly working. What else can I do? What else can I do? Do you think that's what the Lord would like for his servants? What else can I do? Here am I. Send me. Where else can I go? What else needs to be done? I think we got a pocket full of he's got this, she's got this, and we don't have anything in the other pocket that should say, I'm the one. Give it to me. Let me share this load. Let me run this mile. Let me go the distance. Verse 16, shun profane and vain babblings. This does not necessarily mean stop dropping F-bombs. This means stop talking empty. Stop saying, oh, one day in a more convenient season. Stop saying, I was almost persuaded. Those are vain babblings. And they will increase unto more ungodliness. How many times do you have to get away with, I was almost, or I'm waiting for a more convenient season, before people stop asking you? Before people stop asking you. I got to say it. It's on my heart. She's leaving the room anyway, so I won't get any dirty looks. We should be troubled that a 12-year-old just took over our Sunday school class for kids. And there's no adult over there. We should be troubled that no one else wants to teach our young people. And that a 12-year-old has to do it. I'm not mad. She's more than willing. And I had seen her prepare all week. I studied with her all week. This is a young girl who also has school. This is a young girl who also babysits her little brother. This is a young girl that doesn't have a pocket that says, I'm not going to do it. All of her pockets says, what needs done? Just like her mother. What needs done? And I'll go do it. And if permitted, when the Lord calls Sharon home, I'm sure Lainey will play the piano for you too. What's in your pockets? What's holding you back? You know what I'd like to do? I'd like to put out a sign-out sheet at our next business meeting and explain that every household is responsible for teaching Sunday school either in here or over there one month out of 2023. We should not be content that a 12-year-old is now carrying the bulk of the load. Yeah, I understand it just got a little bit more personal, but it's a real good example Read 2 Timothy chapter 3. Where are you? What are you doing? The word of God is profitable. She's benefiting from this. She studied like crazy this week. She's never studied that hard. I'm proud of her. Well, where are the adults who will teach the older Sunday school class for the kids? Where are the adults who will take Steve's place? Something you might not have thought of. She travels every time I do. 
every time. And if next year is like this year, every three weeks, someone's either going to fill in or sit with Raiden. A 12-year-old just shamed y'all. Shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. People will stop asking you. I, I don't call Laramie and Justin and ask them to do devotions. Why? I've, I've had so many vain babblings. I know they're not going to say yes. I don't know if they'll even be here. We're naming names now, beloved. Why? Because we're in the perilous times. There are a great deal of concerns in this world. And in this world is where they are this morning. They need to be here. We need to be here. Everyone you come in contact with the rest of this week, they need to be in the Lord's house. They need to be under the teaching of God's word. They're greater, greater teachers than I am, but they need to be eating. They'll be fed, but they need to be eating. Verse 17, their word will eat as doth a canker of whom is Hymenius and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God, hear this, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. You're not going to pretend and dupe him. You can fake this world out all the way to your funeral where the preacher gets up and talks about your salvation, and it could be a complete lie, but you're not going to fool God. Not even for a heartbeat. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. This is the charge. Depart from iniquity. Whatever's got you convinced, you're ill-prepared. Whatever's got you convinced, you can't do it. You can't be here. You can't teach. You can't pray. You can't lead. You can't sing. You can't play the piano. Whatever it is, can't give the gospel. Can't talk to other people. Can't openly pray. Be rid of it. Be rid of it. Depart from iniquity. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor. And this is the part we don't like to hear some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, there's a lot of ifs that Paul brings out because he knows what's coming. Again, there's no chapter breaks in his letter to Timothy, but he knows what's coming for us in chapter 3. He knows the descriptions he's about to give. And he says, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. Why does he write it that way? Because every man, every woman, has these things to repent of. Every man, myself included, everyone in this room, we have these things to purge ourselves from that we might be considered a vessel of honor. Will we? Listen to this. The next word is sanctified. That means set apart for a purpose. Are we set apart for a purpose or no purpose? If you're set apart for no purpose, you won't be here long. Those conversations usually end with the pastor and them saying, I never felt loved had that conversation quite a few times in a very short span of ministry. I never felt loved. Never felt encouraged. Nobody ever seemed to know what was going on in my life. No one ever seemed to care enough to ask. See, we have to have this difficult conversation because these are real questions. They're not just questions for the pastor to ask of the flock. They're questions that need to haunt you the remainder of this week. 
There are questions that uh, I was really hoping to do this in January, but then I realized that's foolish. Why, as pastors, do we always spend the whole month of January gearing you up for the next year? And the next year has already begun at that point. I want you to start asking these questions now. Learn to repent now. And then when 2023 gets here, love the Word of God. Don't force yourself to take bitter medication. Love the Word of God. Long for the Word of God. Live the Word of God. Tried and proven up and down every single page. And oh, I didn't know this was in here. And oh, this is referenced in the New Testament. And wow, is this a type? How it would change our conversation. How it would change our hearts if instead of being forced and compelled into devotion, we desire it. We long for it. That's my prayer for this church and for this, these households represented here for 2023. I want you to long for the word of God. I want you to say, how much longer till we get to Exodus? And how much longer till we get to the book of Acts? Oh, the pastor's talked about how much he loves the book of Acts. I can't wait anymore. The third thing described there in verse 23, vessels unto honor, sanctified or set apart for a purpose, meat for the master's use. I don't know how close you feel like you are. But there's not a whole lot of days where I feel like I'm meat for the master's use. Before we went to Olmstead and did that revival, I think I even told the ladies in the office, I don't know why the Lord would use me for this revival. I don't know what his purpose and plan is for the words that will come out of my mouth on any given day. But what's described here is a vessel that first empties himself. It says in verse 21, there, a man therefore that purge himself of these things, the things described in the four verses before it. This vessel is now empty. And this empty vessel is described as being honorable. And this empty vessel is set apart for a use. It's not filled with anything else. It's empty. Man, if I had a good vessel in my garage that was empty, I'd be excited. I'm going to fill it with screws. I'm going to fill it with random pieces and parts because it's empty. It's ready to be used. If there's already something in there, I'm not going to remember why it's there. And I'm going to say, it's not ready for me to use this. If I put something in here, then I'm probably never going back in there for it. Gentlemen, we've got those jars in our garages, don't we? But an empty Maxwell House coffee can to my Grandpa Hatcher, oh, that's a vessel meat for the use of the master. He was going to fill it with whatever electrical jobs, gardening jobs, whatever it was, painting. It's set apart. It's meat for the master's use, and it's prepared unto every good work. Why do you need to be empty of the world? Because you need to be prepared to be used. Are you prepared to be used? I'm hesitant to ask Janine or Rebecca how many ladies they talked to about taking over the Sunday school class and how many people said they couldn't. I got a pretty good guess. I talk to pastors for a living. Would you like to write an article for the banner? Oh, I'm so busy. I've got a kid at home and a job. I used to think I was pretty busy back then too. Empty yourselves. You want to be a vessel meat for the master's use? You've got to purge yourself of the world. You don't need to know what's on Twitter right now. You don't need to know how your fantasy team's doing, gentlemen. You don't need to know who the Kardashians are marrying or what name Kanye's going by today or what nationality or faith he's attacking. You need to know the Word of God. If you want to be meat for the Master's use, you need to know Him. 
Verse 22, flee also youthful lust. Well, follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strifes or turmoil or arguments. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Boy, that's a catchy one there. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Now, Pastor, you said this was, there was a contradiction, but chapter 2 sure came out hard when you yelled it at us. Yeah, there's a contradiction. What we see in chapter 2 is before the perilous times. And chapter 2 is the warning Paul's given to Timothy. This is how we got to lead. This is how we got to model. This is how we got to be as God's people. And if we're not, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Paul was instructing the church of Corinth, instructing Timothy, instructing uh, the, the Galatians, instructing the Colossians, that they need to be in remembrance of Jesus, to be faithful to him even through suffering of death. He says to flee from lusts, which James comments in James 4.1, this is where uh, wars and fightings come from. Free from lusts and follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. He closes the chapter speaking of a snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Listen to verse 26 again and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. I, I mentioned a really bad joke last Sunday that is the text for our afternoon message about the devil seeking to sift Peter uh, as wheat, and I, I said shredded Pete. Isaac's begging for me to tell that joke again. I'm not going to, but that's the text for today, and it's already being referenced here in our Sunday school. The warning that Paul's given here are God's people who have allowed themselves to be ensnared by the devil, allowed themselves to consume and be consumed by the world. And Paul says you got to empty yourselves. You have to be done with such foolish things. You have to be rid of it. What he describes in chapter 3 are the results of Christians forsaking their duties. They're described, and I'm just going to give you a few of them because we won't have time to get through all of them. They're described as being lovers of their own selves. You know, you don't have to turn to an old man to listen to somebody say, that's what we're dealing with today. It is what we're dealing with today. It's exactly what we're dealing with today. I love myself more than you. That's literally what we tell everyone, what they tell us. I don't care about your opinion. I love myself more. Cancel. I don't care about your thoughts. I don't care about your troubles. I love my thoughts more. I love my troubles more. So you don't have to use myself. You can put in literally what it is you love more, and it all tracks back to you. I don't care about the struggles of the pastor, the struggles of the church visitors, because I love my struggles more. Preacher, that sounds crazy. Who would say that? We all do. 
We all say that when we're too busy because of what we're consumed by, we are literally saying we love this thing. We have this thing. And like a pet, we take good care of it, don't we? I love this thing. I couldn't give up my Saturday nights to study. I couldn't give up my 10% to tithe. I couldn't give up a few more minutes at the gas pump to witness. I love this thing. It's more precious to me. For many of us, it's right here. Or here. It's everywhere. The internet tells us everything we want to know. And everything we should abstain from. It'd be good for us to have a diet that consisted of the Word of God. Many have come to me and said that the, the time of fasting was really good. That they want to do it again. So do it. You don't need my permission. You don't need me to scream it from the pulpit. Do it. We've got folks who listen to our sermons. And one in North Carolina just got to the set of messages on that fasting. And I got to talk to him this past week about some of the blessings that came out of it for those here. Wombs being opened and all that. And he wanted to know when he should start. And if I'd keep them honest. I said, I can't do that for you. I mean, I can be an accountability partner to a degree, but I, I, if I'm doing that for you, you'll never do it. Because eventually I'm going to forget. Eventually I'm going to find something I love more. You have to have a longing for the Word of God. A desire for the Word of God. To accept the fact that we're in the perilous times. Or you won't survive them. That's something devastating that I hope we see by the end of the, this lesson, these set of questions that we have to ask ourselves. You will not make it through these last days, these perilous times. And I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I'm not talking about perishing in everlasting hellfire. I'm saying you will lose hope so fast. You will desert the work, Demas. You'll walk away because you don't love it. Maybe you're not saved. A devastating thing to not know the truth of until the very end. Dive in now. Do you have a love for the brethren? Be here. That's what John tells us is the, is the best sign for salvation. Do you have a love for the brethren? And I'm sorry. If you're not here, you don't love me. You don't know the needs of this church and the church membership. You don't know the goals that some have here the health concerns that some are dealing with. They know the big stuff, a baby's coming. But do they know what Clark's dealing with? Do they know where Bree is today? Do we know any of those things about folks who aren't here today? If you loved your mama, you'd call her every once in a while. I'm sure Marcia said that. My mama said that to me quite a few times. Sadly, folks, mama's usually right. If you loved your mama, you'd call her. Gentlemen, if we loved our wives the way we love the Lord's church and the Lord's word, he'd probably get up and walk out. If God was mutable, he'd probably stop loving us if we loved him like we uh, loved our wives. And vice versa. I think I messed that analogy up, but I'm pretty sure you understand what I'm saying. We're called to love the church like we love our wives. Do we forsake her as often as we forsake this place? Do we forsake her as often as we forsake the word of God? See, if I went to my wife and talked about how amazing all the other women in the world were, I'm not an empty vessel. 
I'm a pretty full vessel. She's going to be appalled. She's going to be disgusted. How do you think the Lord feels when you come to him and talk about how great your idols are? Me, 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 me. They, 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 they. It, 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 it. He's appalled. He says, come to me with no other idols. I am God. I'm the only God, he says. I am jealous over you. My desire is for all of you, he says. But you've given it off. Sold it off as if it were land that you owned. Beloved, let us be very weary of these perilous and last times. We need strength now like we've never needed it before. Be very much in prayer over this study. It's going to take three Sundays now. Be very much in prayer over this study. We all have an opportunity before us to lead and feed the very folks that are in this room, but also our homes and our communities. We're running out of time. As I watch my kids grow, I've realized that I didn't really have a true concept of how, much, how fast we're running out of time, how fast this one will be gone. And Laney's clinging to his heel like Jacob. She'll be gone too. We have such a short window together. We have to redeem the time as we've been commanded to do by the Lord.